Well, good morning, Lighthouse Baptist Church. So good to see all of you today. Let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Lord God, we are so grateful that you woke us up this morning. We're so grateful that you gave us fellow believers to worship with. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for how we come to know you through it. But not just through your word, but through your spirit, God. You're living and active in our lives. And pray, God, that as we study your word this morning, we will draw nearer to you. We will become closer to you, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. And God, I pray that you would speak through me this morning. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move through all of us and move in our hearts to have a deeper and better understanding of what it is you have to say to us today. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 through 27. It says... The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Now, of course, for the last two weeks, I've been gone. I haven't been here the last two Sundays. So it's good to be back with y'all this week. It was a fun vacation. I feel rested. I feel recharged and ready to go. So uh, it was so much fun because of course, I was staying in a condo right on the beach, and uh, every day I would get this big, gigantic float out, just this big body-sized float. And I'd take it out to the ocean, and I'd lay it down, and I'd plop back into it, and I'd take a cold bottle of Coke, and I would just lay there on that little float and let the waves pick me up and drop me back down and sit there for hours. And that was fun. That was relaxing. That, there's no better way in the world to relax by just laying out in the float in the ocean. So basically, I was in a paradise, pretty much. But the second week, not so much. Because as you might have heard, a certain Hurricane Sally decided to go on vacation with me and hang out the whole second week. So that meant the whole second week, you couldn't go out into the ocean. Both of the red flags were up, which meant nobody's going out to swim. So of course, I was bummed. Because, oh man, this is my vacation. This is my time to be out on the ocean. You don't always get that opportunity in life. And so the second week, I was feeling sorry for myself and feeling bad for myself. And we went out to a restaurant pretty much every night. And uh, on this particular night, we went to one of my favorite restaurants to go when we go to Panama City Beach. And uh, this restaurant is called Pineapple Willie's. And it's so good. They have these ribs that are like fall off the bone ribs. I don't want to make you too hungry, but it was great. And they always had this little shop where you can buy souvenirs in. And so I, every time my family goes, even if I'm not with them, 
you know, they, it's a tradition, we get a, a shirt from there. So as I was at Pineapple Willie's, inside their souvenir shop, I was looking at all the different shirts, and uh, I could kind of tell out of my peripheral vision that I was in someone's way. And so as they came closer, I looked over, and what did I see? I saw two parents, but they were pushing a wheelchair. And in the wheelchair was their child, their son, who was crippled and needed to be pushed on that wheelchair. So I was already feeling bad for myself. Now I was feeling bad for them. I, you know, my mind automatically went to, oh, that's, I feel bad for them, and I feel bad for what they're going through. And I was just feeling bad for everybody, me and, and them. And, uh, as I kept looking for my shirt, uh, I heard the, cash, the lady at the cash register behind me. She asked that family, she said, how are y'all doing? And the mom said, I'm blessed. And the lady at the cash register said, I like that answer. And you know what, I like that answer too, because it opened my eyes and it made me aware of something. Why was I feeling cursed? And why was she feeling blessed? Well, we were both blessed, but she had an awareness of her blessings. In other words, I was focusing on everything that was going wrong. She was focusing on everything that was going right. We're both blessed, but she had an awareness of her blessings. Now, this blessing that I read, of course, you're familiar with it because we, you know, we prayed at the end of every church service, and before we did that, I'm sure you were familiar with it because a lot of other churches prayed at the ending of their church services. And why do we do that? Why do we pray that blessing at the ending of church? Well, because this blessing, it's known as the priestly blessing. When it says, give this to Aaron and his sons to pray over, to bless the Israelites, who are Aaron and his sons? Aaron has been designated as the priest. And all the future priests are going to be descendants of Aaron. So essentially, whenever they gather together as the people of God, the priests pray this blessing over the people of God. Now we know that daily they would have worship services, and at the ending of these worship services, the priest would pray this blessing over the people, and that's why we pray this blessing over each other. But what about the specific words of the blessing? Why does the blessing say what it says? Because God knew just as he knew for me in Panama City Beach that the Israelites would need to be made aware not just that they were blessed, but how they were blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed is to have a happiness that comes from the Lord. A happiness that comes from the Lord. Now you can be blessed and yet you may miss out on the experience of it because you're not aware of how you have been blessed. So I believe this blessing shows us how we are blessed as God's people. So let's look through it line by line of this blessing so we can see how we are blessed. So the first way that God blesses us, how does God bless us? He keeps you. God keeps you. Now that sounds strange, right? What does it mean for the Lord to keep you? We see that a lot in the Old Testament where it talks about the Lord keeping people. Whenever the Bible talks about keeping someone, ultimately what it means is guarding them and protecting them. 
But keep is the perfect word for that. Why? Well, let me put it this way. When I was younger, when I was a kid, my family would do garage sales. Have you ever had a garage sale before? My mom would say, Cody, we're having a garage sale, so take all the stuff that you have that you want to keep and put it in this pile. And then take all the stuff that you don't want to keep anymore and put it in this pile. So I'd sit down with all my stuff. Okay, I want to keep this. I want to keep this. Uh, I don't need this anymore. Uh, I might need this later. I don't need this anymore. And then, of course, when you're done, you have your pile of stuff to sell, and you have your pile of stuff to keep. Now, what did everything that I kept have in common with each other? Everything that I kept, I kept because it was precious to me. It was precious to me, so I kept it. And because I kept it, I did what? I guarded it, and I protected it. All the stuff that I sold, I don't know what happened to it. I don't know where it is. Why? Because I'm not guarding it. I'm not protecting it. Why? Because I chose not to keep it. This text tells us that God keeps us. And when we know that God keeps us, it means that he guards us and he protects us. But why does he keep us? Because we are precious to him. We're precious to him. Now you may say, well, Cody, that's great that I'm in the keep pile. But what if God decides one day to put me in the sell pile? What if someday God doesn't want me anymore? What if he doesn't want to keep me anymore? Now, that used to be a fear of mine growing up. And as I was early on in my life as a believer, I had that fear. What if God gives up on me one day? What if he stops loving me one day? What if he lets go of me? What if he lets go of his grip on me? Well, if you ever do feel that way, let me dispel that fear for you right now. The Lord keeps you because you're precious to him. And how do you know that you're precious to him? He gave his own son for you. Think about it this way. You were worth Jesus to God. Did you know that? You're worth Jesus to God. When I would pick out stuff to put in the key pile, some of the stuff I would say, oh, I might need this later, or this is nice. But some stuff I would say, I would not in a million years give this away. And when Jesus gave up his own son to purchase you, it wasn't just to have you for a little bit. It was to keep you. It was to hold on to you. And if he paid that higher price for you, do you think he's going to just throw you away? No. Not now and not ever. Because you are precious to him. And if you don't realize how precious you are, look to Jesus. Look to the cross. He's showing you how much you mean to him. How far he would go to hold on to you and how far he would go to keep you. And you will be blessed when you know that God keeps you and he won't let go of you. But how else will you be blessed? Well, you'll be blessed when you know that he makes his face shine on you. That's another way that he blesses us. He makes his face shine on you. Now, you already know this, but let me remind you. You don't have to talk to someone to communicate with that person. You have the ability to show what you're saying to someone, not just with words, but with what? 
Your face. With your face, you can say things that you're not saying with your mouth. You know, sometimes somebody may say, do you want to go get sushi for lunch? And with your mouth, you may say, yeah. But with your face, you may say, no, I don't. We communicate with our face all the time. One example I want to give you is when I was in college. And when I got to college, when you go to a private Baptist college, you think, I'm going to get that ring on my finger. I'm about to get married. I'm about to find a spouse. Now, obviously for me, I didn't find a spouse. But you go into college thinking, oh, I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to find someone. And so for me, I, I zeroed in on who I liked pretty quick. And I said, ooh, this is a girl that I really like. I'd really like to date. Now, when I told her that, she said, oh, well, I'm not really ready to date right now. I just got out of a relationship. So I said, okay, I understand. And so I still liked her. I still wanted to go out with her later on. But I could tell there was another guy that wanted to go out with her, too. And apparently she was ready to date months later because they started going out together. So, of course, they didn't do anything wrong. But 18-year-old me was hurt and sad and bitter and honestly jealous about that. And so I didn't want to see them together. I didn't want to be around them at all. And yet, when you go to a little tiny Baptist college, you can't help but to see certain people. And so I remember one day I was sitting in the cafeteria and he, her new boyfriend, walked past us. And I remember feeling kind of bitter and jealous and, and angry. But I thought, well, that's just, you know, in my head. Nobody has to know how I'm actually feeling. And yet, after he walked past us, my friend said, Cody, Cody, do you realize what you were doing? Do you realize that it, when that guy walked past, you were glaring at him? You were making an angry face at him? And that shocked me and it scared me because I was like, huh? I was making a face and I didn't even realize it. You know, I wasn't saying anything out loud, but my face was communicating how I was feeling on the inside better than words could ever communicate. That's what our face does. It shows on the outside what we're feeling on the inside. I'll give you another example. This week, I watched a classic 80s movie. I rewatched it. Seen it before, but I wanted to watch it again. Has anybody seen The Karate Kid before? Raise your hand if you've seen The Karate Kid. I watched it this week, and if you haven't seen The Karate Kid, let me catch you up on what it's about. The Karate Kid is about a boy named Daniel LaRusso. He moves from New Jersey to California, and when he moves to California, he runs into some bullies who know karate. And so fortunately, for Daniel, the maintenance man at his apartment sees his predicament and he teaches him karate. And Daniel enters a karate tournament and he takes on all of his bullies at the tournament. And at the end, spoiler alert, but it's okay that I'm spoiling it because it's from the 80s. At the end, he beats his final bully and Mr. Miyagi, his karate teacher, is proud of him. He's happy for him. But he doesn't say he's proud. He doesn't say he's happy. How do I know that he was proud? And how do I know that he was happy? Because the very last scene of the movie, Mr. Miyagi is smiling. Daniel's saying, yeah, Mr. Miyagi, we did it, we did it. Mr. Miyagi has a huge smile on his face, which tells us that he's happy, that he's proud of Daniel. He's smiling. And did you know that when God looks at you, that's what he's doing. 
He's smiling from ear to ear. And that's hard for us to believe, isn't it? That's hard to believe sometimes. When God looks down at me, he's smiling. Well, maybe for some people, but not for me because, you know, I've done certain things that if God looked down on me and saw, God would not be happy about. Let me be absolutely clear to you. God hates sin. God hates sin. He hates what it does to the world. He hates what it does to you. God hates sin, but he loves you. I don't want you to think that God looks down on your sin and smiles, but what I want you to know is that he looks down on you and smiles. Why? Because he is gracious. The Lord make his face shine down on you and be gracious to you. When it says the Lord make his face shine down on you, it's saying the Lord make his face smile on you. Because, why? Because he's gracious to you. Think about the Apostle Peter. When Jesus was calling his first disciples in Luke chapter 5, Jesus went out to teach at the Sea of Galilee. And there was a huge crowd that went out to hear Jesus teach. And so Jesus went, and there were two boats in the sea. And he got into one of them, and one of them belonged to Peter, who was not yet a disciple of Jesus and was just now meeting Jesus. Jesus got into Peter's boat, and he taught the crowd from the boat. Now, as he finished teaching them, he told Peter, hey, go out further into sea and put down your nets to catch fish. And Peter said, Master, we've been out here all night. And we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, well then, I'll go further out to sea. And he did go further out to sea, and he let down his nets, and they caught so many fish that the nets started to break. And they called over their partners in the other boat, and they said, get over here, we've got a lot of fish. And they started all putting those fish into their boats, and there were so many fish that the boats started to break and started to sink. And when Peter saw this, he got a glimpse of Jesus' holiness and Jesus' divinity. And he realized how unworthy he was to be near Jesus and around Jesus. And he said, get away from me, Lord. Get away from me. Can you believe he said that? I mean, we say it all the time. Lord, get away from me. Because why? Peter said, get away from me. I am a sinful man. Surely if you knew who I was, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with me, Lord. And yet, when Peter looked up, what did he see? He saw the shining face of Jesus. And Jesus said what? He said, do not be afraid. I'm going to make you fish for people. Why did Jesus say that to him? Why was his face still shining on Peter even after all of Peter's sin? Because God is gracious to us. Because God loves us. And you will be blessed when you know that when God looks at you, God is smiling at you. Don't believe the lie that when God looks at you, he's not happy. When God looks at you, God says, I'm so glad I made you. I'm so glad you're mine. It doesn't mean our sins are good. But what it does mean is that God loves us. When God looks down on us, he's smiling at us. So that's how God blesses us. He keeps us. And he makes his face shine down on us. But how else does he bless us? 
where he turns his face towards you. He turns his face towards you. Why is it important that he turns his face towards us? Well, in order to explain this, I'd like to ask Virgil, will you come forward? Will you come on stage with me? I'm going to show a little illustration. Now, Virgil, how did your week go last week? Pretty good. What did you do last week? Like we went to Oklahoma. Yeah. Did some work, visited. That's cool. Just enjoyed it. Okay. Okay, let me ask you again. Virgil, how was your week last week? Fantastic. Great, what did you do? We worked a little bit, got to visit, got to eat. Just had a good time. That's awesome. Okay, well, give it up for Virgil. Good job, Virgil. Thank you, Virgil. Now, the first time that I asked Virgil how he was doing and how his week went, where was my face? It was away from Virgil. The second time I asked him, where was my face? It was towards Virgil, which meant what? I was paying attention to Virgil. When it says the Lord turn his face towards you, do you know what it's saying? It's saying God's people, God pays attention to his people. Isn't that an incredible blessing? God is always paying attention to us. Now, Jesus, he confronted this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 8. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 8, when he was teaching about prayer, Jesus said, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Now, a lot of times when we read that verse, we think that Jesus is saying, hey, when you pray to the Father, keep it short, sweet, and to the point. Don't bug God. That's not at all what Jesus is saying. In fact, nothing could be further from what Jesus is saying. So what is Jesus saying? Why would he tell us to not babble like the pagans? Because when the pagans pray to their gods, they're saying, help us, help us, pay attention to us, notice us. They're like a guy stranded out on an island organizing tricks to say SOS. They're saying, I don't know if the gods can hear me. I don't know if they're paying attention to me, but I've got to get their attention somehow. And Jesus said, when you pray to the Father, don't pray like that. How can you have any peace if you think that the Father is not paying attention to you? Jesus says, when you pray, you can pray as long as you want and as much as you want. But when you pray, know that God is soaking in and soaking up every word. God is always paying attention to you. In fact, he's paying so much attention to you that he knows what you need before you even ask him for it. That's how much God is paying attention to you. And you will be blessed when you know that God is always paying attention to you. When you know that he's always paying attention to you, it will give you what? It will give you peace. Imagine living like the pagans live. Hopefully God notices me. Hopefully he's watching me. No, you can know he's always watching me. Even when I'm asleep and I'm not watching me, he's watching me. He's paying attention. And not a moment of my life passes by that he's not with me. Jesus said elsewhere in the Bible, 
The very hairs of your head are numbered. Jesus said, look at the sparrows. The Father watches them, and yet you're so much more important than they are. So the Father watches you. The Bible says daily the Lord bears us up. All throughout the Bible it says that God is paying attention to you. In other words, he's turning his face towards you. And that's what that blessing says. He blesses us by keeping us and holding on to us. He blesses us by turning his face towards us. He blesses us by making his face shine upon us. Now look at verse 27. Why are they to pray this blessing over the Israelites? Why? So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in our passage. But it sounds weird to say the Lord will put his name on you. What does it mean to have someone's name on you? When I pray that blessing at the ending of each church service, what am I doing? I'm saying you belong to the Lord. I don't just say, hey, guys, I hope you feel kept and I hope you feel good. I hope you feel warm this week. No, I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I'm putting the Lord's name on you. In other words, I'm invoking the name of the Lord. I'm pointing out and reminding you who cares about you the most and who you belong to. Have you ever seen Toy Story before? What does Woody have on the bottom of his shoe? He has the name Andy on there. Why? Because Andy is his owner. You'll notice in the movie, whenever Woody gets insecure or afraid or unsure of how things are going, he'll look at his shoe and he'll see what? The name of his master, the name of his owner, Andy. And it reminds him of who cares about him the most. And it reminds him of who he belongs to. Now God tells Moses to tell Aaron, to tell the priest every day, remind them of who they belong to and who cares about them the most. As they go out into the world in their own power and with their own name, remind them that they're going out with my power safeguarded by my name. They're being prayed for and watched over and cared for. The Lord, he puts his name on us. But do you know what's interesting? Do you know what the Bible tells us? And this blows my mind. This is crazy. Not only Does the Lord put his name on us? The Lord puts our name on him. Did you know that? The Lord put our name on him. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 15 through 16, God says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? In other words, God is saying, when you look at a mother holding their baby at their at her breast, that's what you're like to me. If you want to know what I think about you, look at that. Could I possibly forget you in the same way that she couldn't possibly forget her child? And yet, he says, even though she may forget, even if she did forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. He's engraved you on the palms of his hands. And what does that look like? What does it look like for you to be engraved on the palms of his hands? Well, if you need to know, 
look at Jesus' hands. Because when you see Jesus' hands, you're going to see your name engraved on it. And what is it going to look like? It's going to look like a hole in each hand. Why? Because when Jesus went to the cross, he was doing what? He was engraving you on his hand. Why did Jesus keep the nail holes in his hand? Why? So that he could always see them and always remember us. But not only that, so that we could always see them and we could always remember what he did and how far he went for us. This whole entire blessing, what is it about? Is it a blessing for more material possessions? Is it a blessing for riches? Is it a blessing for people or family? No, it's a blessing for God to be with us. In other words, God didn't just give us blessings. God gave us the ultimate blessing. And what is the ultimate blessing? Himself. He gave us himself. And how did he do that? He gave us his son, Jesus. So that what? This blessing could be fulfilled. Unless we have Jesus, we do not have this blessing. And yet Jesus came so that we could have this blessing. Everything that keeps us from this blessing is our sin. There's us, there's our sin, and there's God. And there's sin standing in the middle of it. And yet God sent his son to tear down what separates us from him. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin on our behalf. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus hung on the cross, darkness fell across the entire land. Why? Because when Jesus was on the cross, he was let go of. He was abandoned. Why? So that you could be kept. So that you could be held forever. When Jesus was on the cross, he lost the shining face of God. Not because he had sinned, but because he, at that moment, was sinned. And so God turned his face away from him. Why? So that he could turn his face towards us and shine his face on us forever. Jesus got what we deserve so that we could get what he deserves. And what did he deserve? Everything that we read in this blessing. And because of Jesus, we can and we do have everything in this blessing. It's ours. Not because we earned it, but because it was given to us. It was given to us by God himself, through his son, and by his spirit. And what does that mean for you? Well, it means when someone asks you how you are doing, you can say, I'm blessed. Why? Why can you say that? Because of Jesus. Because through Jesus, God will always keep you. Because through Jesus, God will always shine on you. And because through Jesus, God will always look towards you. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we are so thankful that you bless us in this way. God, you don't just give us blessings. You are our blessing. You are the blessing of our lives. And so God, we thank you so much that you hold on to us, that you smile at us, and that you always pay attention to us. God, we love you and we thank you so much. 
It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen.